It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey, Mark Farzetta here, host of The Farzy Show. And for my show's podcast, I use Anchor. And you should too. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. You can make money off your podcast with no minimum listenership as well. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Anchor. Oh, and how much would you pay for something like this? Hundreds of dollars? Well, forget about that because it's free. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Farzy Show here at the Steven Singer Studios. My name is Mark Farzetta. Uh, you know, uh, we got uh, we got baseball to talk about, of course, with the World Series uh, last night. We got some Flyers conversation with a nice win last night. Three goals in the final 13 minutes of that game. So there's that. We got Ben Simmons to get into an NFL trade deadline. And Lee Gatt joined the show from Bleeding Green Nation to break it all down for us. Uh, as far as the Eagles go with the trade deadline, I, I, I knew they were getting calls on Fletcher Cox. I didn't know that they were like actively, not just actively, but according to all reports, aggressively shopping Fletcher Cox, which doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever as far as actively and aggressively shopping him around considering the cap it you would be taking and the cap it you're already taking $53 million with Carson Wentz already off the team. So I don't know what the hell Howie Roseman's doing. Not the first time I've said that, but actively and aggressively shopping Fletcher Cox, according to all reports. Wild to think about that. But as far as the idea of doing it and trying to forget about the financial ramifications from it, sure, go ahead. This isn't the year I have told you many times before. This season doesn't even really exist as far as the uh, the, the 2021 NFL regular season. No, no, what exists in the Eagles' minds and Howie Roseman's mind and Jeffrey Lurie's mind is – the 2022 NFL draft. This season not even real. This season is a preseason of what now 20 games, three pre three actual preseason games, and then 17 games of eh, let's see what happens. Let's say 17 games of hey Jalen Hurts, let's see what you got. We're really just playing for April of 2022. So you guys just go out there and have your fun. 
that's that's what it appears to be to me at least and we'll see if that's actually going to happen for the rest of the season in terms of just the guests and test Fletcher Cox still here Fletcher Cox not traded most likely be re revisited in the offseason if they really were aggressively shopping him at the trade deadline Andre Dillard still here as well so they have depth on the offensive line still um i'm fine with that as well i mean look i still want to root for this team to win football games i would love to see this team make the playoffs even i'd love for that, that, that wild card the last wild card spot to be occupied by the philadelphia eagles i'd love to see that i ain't betting on it i'm rooting for it but i ain't betting on it and they're not going to do that without offensive line depth which so far this season when you think about it considering Brandon Brooks being down, Lane Johnson missing time, uh, Jack Driscoll going out early, Nate Herbig coming in, Landon Dickerson already uh, you know, playing the, the vast majority of the season. You already have offensive line depth. Now you have a little bit more with it, so I, more of it. So I love to see that. That's great. If they would have been able to get a second-day pick for Andre Dillard, yeah, okay, all right, let's make that happen. But apparently that wasn't going to happen because, as we all know, Howie Roseman – kind of drives a hard bargain when it comes to giving away his players. Look how long he waited for Zach Ertz, for instance. Waited till a couple of weeks before this NFL season's trade deadline to move on from Zach Ertz and be able to get a decent pick in return. Uh, and a corner as well. Uh, Eagles did make a trade yesterday, sending a six-round pick uh, over to Denver uh, to get uh, Kari, is it? Kari Vincent? So uh, he's a young corner, and we'll see what uh, he does for this team, but he'll be down there on the depth chart. And we'll see what that uh, Tay Gowan was another one that they were able to get in the Zach Ertz deal. So I guess they're stuck it up on corners. So that's what we got there. Brandon Lee Gowton will join us coming up in a little bit to uh, help us help us look at not only this trade deadline and what went down with the Eagles, but also what, what's going to go down come Sunday against the Chargers and really answer the question that I know a lot of us have been asking ourselves that are still rooting, rooting for this team to win, not just rooting for the draft picks, but actually rooting for the team to win. Uh, and that is uh, whether or not they, whether or not we will see any of the game plan, any of that strategy, any of that. I mean, it wasn't even a balanced attack, but I know we at least want to see a balanced attack coming up against the Chargers when it comes to run-pass ratio. But one of the things that we're going to go down, uh, the, the, one of the things we want to see is if we take any of that, if the Eagles will take any of what they were able to do against the Lions and apply it to what, they were, what they're going to be able to do against the L.A. Chargers. The other thing that comes into this is that it didn't just work against the Lions. It also worked against the Rams and or excuse me, against the Raiders. And it also worked against the Buccaneers. True, it was late in the game and the, the Bucs kind of had it in hand. But the Eagles started running the ball against the best run defense in the NFL, and they did fine with it. The Eagles came out running the ball against the Raiders, and they did fine with it. The Eagles came out running the ball and stuck with it against the Lions, and they blew them out of the water. So why not keep that coming? Let's keep seeing it. Um uh, Shane Steichen spoke to the media yesterday. Eh, I don't really get. It. You know what I get out of Shane Steichen press conferences? This is what I get out of Shane Steichen press conferences. I get, I get this. I get karate moves. He's really abrupt with his hand gestures, and that's all I get. Uh, also, Jonathan Gannon addressed the media. Yes, they were more aggressive, as we all saw. We'll see if we see more of that coming up against the Chargers. So, uh, look, go figure. He didn't really lead into anything there. Uh, he didn't really tip his uh, tip his hand. As they as they say, um, so we'll talk about that and more with Brandon Lee Gowton coming up in a second. <sighs> the Braves are World Series champions. Seven nothing win last night, Game Six of the World Series. Max Fried pitched incredible, six innings, 
uh, scoreless baseball, six strikeouts. After getting tattooed in his last start in, the, in this World Series, he bounced right back and pitched phenomenally well like he did in the second half of the season this year. Uh, just amazing. And I used to really hate the Braves. And with the state of the Phillies that they're in now, uh, I mean, Braves, I mean, people forget because of what happened with COVID last year and everything. Like, the Braves were in the uh, uh, NLCS last, last year. Like, they had a really great season um, for as short as it was. And then this year they come out, they go to the World Series, and they win the World Series. This year, the two games back of the, 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 uh, the, the Phillies on August 9th, and then they roar back. They lose Ronald Ocuna Jr., who, by the way, Ocuna, Ronald Ocuna Jr., uh, and they lose him. He's like an MVP candidate. <laughs> and they don't miss a beat. They go out, they make acquisitions. They go out and they bring in guys. Eddie Rosario, one of them. Uh, Adam Duvall, another one. Uh, they bring in guys, Jock Peterson, Jock Tober, up until the World Series. Jock Tober, right? They, they make the trade with the Cubs. And they don't miss a beat. They get better. I I used to hate the Braves. And I look, I've always really respected Freddie Freeman, and I can't help but the root for the guy now, except when he's playing the Phillies, obviously, just because I – have so much respect for the way he plays the game and how how great he is. And I'm watching that team and I'm not I'm not experiencing the hate that I thought I would. Because I and I think a lot of Philadelphia fans are like this. You're not looking at that team being like I hate y'all, I hate that guy. We're not looking at them and be like why can't we be like that? Why can't we be more like that? What's stopping us from being like the Braves? And I'll tell you. A crappy farm system. <laughs> That's exactly what's stopping us from being the Atlanta Braves. Homegrown talent. They brought in some guys to be the glue guys, but not the guy. Freddie Freeman is the guy. And really, they they, they go from there. It, it all starts with the farm system. I mean, look at the Phillies the World Series run and go into another and the five straight playoff appearances, five straight division titles. Look at the, look at the Phillies. Uh, Utley, How do I really need to rattle it off for you? Utley, Howard, Hamels. Rollins. I mean, it was it was great. I mean, and Shane Victorino was a Rule Five guy, but he still was a young player. They acquired, you know, bought low, if you will. Like Pat Burrell, obviously, like Carlos Ruiz. I mean, you could go around the horn, really. It was all homegrown guys. That was one of the things I really respected about Pat Gallick. It wasn't about getting the the big name. It wasn't about getting the big free agent or anything like that. It was about finding those glue guys that you that you knew could come in and help you out like jason worth what a great discovery that was and pat gillick obviously knew him from his days with those uh round glasses and clean shaven military haircut with the baltimore orioles jason worth and pat gillick brought him in here gave him another chance and it worked out phenomenally well for the phillies and for jason worth and you look at some of some other of these players, and you can't just piecemeal a team together. It's, you really have to have that chemistry. And here are the Braves, but the only team in baseball without 90 wins, and they come in, or the, the postseason, without 90 wins, and they come in and they go to the World Series. They beat the team with the second-best record in baseball in the Dodgers in the uh, NLCS, and they go to the World Series, and they win the World Series. Against a team, by the way, with 95 wins in the Houston Astros. It's. I find myself not hating the Braves. Just say, how do we be more like them? Like the Patriots? I, yeah, we'd all like to be like them and win all the time when they had Tom Brady and all that stuff. But it, it really, I still hate them. <laughs> like, but with the Braves, 
I guess it's because it's been so long since we saw the Phillies do anything. I only look at them and I go, God, you were two games up on these guys. How do we be like them? I find myself looking at the TV longingly, not angrily, but longingly at the Braves winning the World Series. Uh, Flyers get a nice uh, 3 nothing win. Weird game for the Flyers last night. Uh, just as that uh, Carter Hart uh, gets his first shutout of the season, first shutout of the season for the Flyers, uh, he, they bounce back from losing 4 nothing to Calgary. They win 3 nothing last night at home in front of the South Philly fans. And no goals were scored before, I think, the 13-10 mark of the third period, I think it was. And Carter Hart was great in net throughout the game. And they get one goal at the 13-minute mark on a Cam Atkinson. Oh, no, that was wiped away. Excuse me, it wasn't Cam Atkinson. But the first goal that they scored, they ended up getting wiped away. I thought would stand as a goal. And the they go to review because it was covered by the Coyotes goaltender. Goes out in front of the net. Cam Atkinson slams it home for the first goal of the game, allegedly. And they ended up wiping it off because after review, they said the goalie covered it up, so no goal. And I'm like, well, when was the whistle? Isn't that what matters? It doesn't matter if the goalie's covered it up. I thought there had to be a whistle. And I didn't think there was a whistle. And anyway, the goal was scored, and they didn't count it. So that's how that went. Uh, but Scott Lawton got another goal last night on a, on a weird play. Claude Giroux got the empty netter. Uh, so the Flyers were able to storm back from a – you can't even say storm back, really, because they didn't wait. They waited until the last minute to actually score their goals. But bottom line is they got the shutout. They got the win. Good for the Flyers. Still looking good this season. R- really having a lot of fun watching them so far because they're being the aggressive team that we wanted them to be for a long time. I feel like for the long for the longest time we were looking at a guy like uh, Jake Voracek saying, hey, can you, uh, you know, maybe bury it in the back of the net every once in a while, actually be aggressive, go for that shot? Eh, not doing it. And now it feels like it's the to- totally opposite with the guys that they brought in here. Cam Atkinson, most notably, of all the guys they brought in here to be aggressive and actually go to the net and actually try to score goals for this team as opposed to setting up other people. Uh, by the way, the empty netter I thought was funny. Uh, Sean Couturier had the puck on his stick, crosses in front of the net, and just instead of burying it himself, gives it to Claude Giroux for his fifth goal of the season. So there you go. Good win last night by the Flyers. you love to see it. Um, I, uh, I think... I think I'm surrendering a lot with with Ben Simmons right now. And I think the team is going to keep fighting, not surrender. And I think this is going to continue to go on for a while. But the report that came out yesterday with Ramona Shelbourne and ESPN and um, Adrian Wojnarowski about how the team is growing increasingly frustrated with Ben Simmons' situation because Ben Simmons is meeting with NBA PA health specialist mental health specialist but he's not meeting with sixers mental health specialists he is meeting with sixers doctors to help him with his back issue but he's not meeting with medical doctors not meeting with sixers uh psychological doctors i guess uh which by the nflpa standard and the cba is fine you're allowed to seek second opinions. You're allowed to seek your own independent uh, health professionals, whether that be mental or physical. So that's fine. What I don't understand is the updates, not like not giving updates to your employer of where you're at. I'm not ready to do this. Saying you're not ready to do that. I don't, I don't get that. I like when we've gone through this in the past, 
Credit to the Philadelphia Eagles for how they handled Brandon Brooks' situation, how they handled Lane Johnson's situation. It was, we know, but we're not telling. And I know sometimes people can be like, oh, come on, we deserve it. No, like, th- there's there's somebody's privacy that is, uh, you know, valuable. It's somebody's privacy that you have to respect in a certain situation. And for the life of me, I can't understand why you wouldn't want to keep your employer updated on your status. Uh, and I couldn't imagine for the life of me how that's okay to not keep your employer updated. Not Here's the other thing. I feel like this story is covered really weird. It's not like anything else that's been covered when it's come to mental health. Lane Johnson, personal reasons. Everyone extremely respectful. Personal reasons. Lane's dealing with something. We hope to have him back. Brandon Brooks, personal personal dealing. He's dealing with something. Look forward to having him back. And it's all about personal reasons. And it's all about, they didn't even say mental health then. With Ben Simmons, this other word is being thrown in there after mental. And it's mental readiness. And to me, the way that's being reported, and it's not the first time it's been reported like that. After Ben Simmons addressed the team, he came, the, the quote, the secondhand quote that came out was, He'll let everyone know what he's, he's just not, he's not mentally ready to play right now. That can mean a billion things. That can mean depression, anxiety, which God forbid it is, or it could mean I don't want to face the fans. That literally mental readiness. I'm not mentally prepared to stay in front of those fans. Or it could just mean I'm still pissed at all you guys. I hate all you guys. I'm not ready to play with you. That's what it could mean. But we see the mental health professionals that he's seeing that we see that report, but when it comes to what he's going through, the only thing that's it's being termed is mental readiness. And I feel like that is an attempt by people writing that as a downgrade. Like they have talked to the sources. They've talked to people about that Ben Simmons. And the only way they can report it is by saying mental readiness. I mean, is it just me? Does that just sound like when you're writing it, you're going, I don't know if I can call this what other people are going through, but I'll call it readiness. Like I, It just seems like they're grasping at straws to try to describe what Ben Simmons is going through right now. I will say this one more time. I look forward to hearing from Ben because we haven't heard from Ben. The team's heard from Ben. The coaches have heard from Ben apparently a while ago, but not nothing recent, no update, because he's not ready to give his employer an update on his uh, status. Um but as fans, as media members, we haven't heard from Ben. Like I, I want one thing to come out where it's not secondhand, where it's not hearsay, where it's not somebody speaking for Ben or somebody speaking maybe for Ben. Ben's camp, sources close to the situation. How about the situation? How about, how about Ben Simmons? How about he steps forward and when he's ready, he can tell us what exactly is going on. I look forward to that day, and I hope that day is in Philadelphia. I don't, I, I don't think the Sixers are going to get max value for Ben Simmons in a trade anytime soon. I would certainly hope that Ben plays, gets his trade uh, stock back on track, and they trade him for something that's a little bit more worthy of a three-time All-Star than what they'd be getting right now. Because if you're another team, are you monitoring this situation? Hell yeah, you are. Are you monitoring this situation and going, well, wait a minute, why am I going to trade for a guy that's not ready to play? Is he mentally not ready to play for the Sixers, or is he just not mentally ready to play? Because the way this story is being covered and the way these sources have leaked out information, it just seems like he's just not ready to play for the Sixers, which is a problem. It's a big problem. So I'll say it again. 
I look forward to hearing from Ben Simmons, whenever that may be. But with him not even talking to the team, seems like it's going to be a long time before he talks to the media. So we'll see how all this goes. That's what you got with Ben. Uh, let me tell you about my good friend, Steven Singer of Stevens. Oh, one thing I do want to uh, get in here uh, regarding uh, the Ramona Shelbourne piece. This is, a, this is an excerpt from the piece. The Sixers remain eager to help Simmons address his mental readiness uh, so he can return to the team. There's uncertainty whether he's progressing with the same objective in mind, according to a source. That's from Ramona Shelbourne and uh, Adrian Rosnarowski's piece on uh, ESPN.com. So we'll see what comes of all of this. Uh, there's also, um, I, I highlighted that already. So there you go. Um, there you go. Let me tell you about my friend, Steven Singer of Steven Singer Jewelers, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Farsi Show. We send you to the other corner of 8th and Walnut. Because Steven Singer takes care of you like family. Steven Singer makes you feel like a king when you walk in there. Or a queen. You walk in there. You want some diamonds? Beautiful diamond stud. You need a, a diamond stud earrings? Right there. Beautiful. And here's what, what else is great. A lot of people running out of inventory already. Not even ready for the holiday rush. No, boy. You can't do that. Steven's fully stocked up on all beautiful diamonds, diamond stud earrings, diamond tennis bracelets, diamond necklaces, oh, engagement rings. Are you kidding me? That's the man to go to because Steven for 40 years has been in the love business in Philadelphia, taking care of people and taking care of people with the perfect price because other jewelers, you know why they really hate this guy? They hate Steven Singer because he doesn't wildly mark up things and, uh, just to mark it down in front of you, make it feel again, like some kind of great deal. No, the deal is the deal. Perfect price every single time. You don't have to go in there worrying about haggling or negotiating because guess what? Even if you feel like you won in that situation, you still lose, sir. Good day. You still lose in that situation because when the jewelers mark things way up, not a couple, couple hundred bucks off, make you feel like you won something, nah, they're still making bank on that. Steven Singer, perfect price every single time. Now the corner of 8th and Walnut right on Jewelers Row in Philadelphia. Do what I do. Trust Steven Singer Jewelers. Getting engaged. Ready for love, diamond engagement rings right there as well. So trust Steven Singer Jewelers. I hate stevensinger.com. Always fast and free shipping at I hate Steven Singer.com. All right, let's uh, jump on the Rothman Orthopedics guest line and catch up with a guest we haven't talked to in quite some time. Uh, let's talk to our good friend, Brandon Lee Gowden. Joining us right now on the Rothman Orthopedics guest line from Bleeding Green Nation, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. What's up there, Brandon? I'm doing well. Glad to be joining you here, Mark, after an Eagles win. <laughs> after an Eagles win, after the trade deadline came and went 4 p.m. Uh, Tuesday, uh, the Eagles supposedly, and I was reading Bleeding Green Nation, aggressively, aggressively shopping Fletcher Cox. I was surprised to see, first off, shopping, second, aggressively like i know they were getting calls on him which isn't shopping him it's quite the opposite so they they wanted to try to move his 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 money move him despite the dead cap space there or the dead cap number there what did you read into that whole scenario <laughs> it's, it's a mistake from the standpoint of like why <laughs> would you restructure his contract before the season which basically made it 
practically impossible or at least you know very embarrassing for the eagles if they do move on from him this year so it's another instance i think of the eagles kind of you know overvaluing one of their players too much um you know they is not the exact same situation but you know back with alshon jeffrey and before the 2019 season they did that and they guaranteed his salary for 2020 and that was obviously a huge mistake and now they did a restructure you know fletcher cox before this season that i think was a big mistake because Whereas they probably could have gotten maybe you know, like a second round pick, maybe third round pick for a team from a team uh, before the deadline this year. They couldn't really. And now I think, you know, it seems like if they're aggressively shopping him at this point, it seems like that's something that will be revisited in the offseason. But as it should be, because I think Fletcher Cox is a player in decline. And I don't think he's going to be, you know, a good contributor here when the Eagles are really good again. But it's just kind of too late. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. So why would Howie do that? Why 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 now? Why why the restructure and then all of a sudden, whoop, that was a horrible mistake. Why would that happen now? Why would the shopping happen now? Happen now? I think part of it is the decline. You know, this is a player who has twelve or, or yeah, two sacks in his last twelve games. And, you know, the the sack numbers don't always tell the story with Fletcher Cox. And you can talk about maybe he's being isn't being maximized in the scheme, but you're not getting paid like the highest paid player on the team and like a top five defensive tackle in the league to have excuses made for you. Like you have to produce at some level. Uh and he hasn't been doing that. So I think it's some of that. I think it's obviously clear that Fletcher Cox is not thrilled about playing in this defense. He has made that pretty clear. So I think all of that kind of coming together and obviously that just not being like the best presence in your locker room. He's supposed to be your leader, your highest paid player. He's supposed to set the standard. He's been here for a long time now. So I think all of that uh, kind of contributes to that. Your highest paid player, except on screens, except on screens. Although he did make a tackle on a screen. So I guess he just, I guess he just interned on that one, one particular play. Um, so this might be digging way too deep, but could this be at all be seen as an investment in Jonathan Gannon and his scheme at all if they're willing to ship Fletcher Cox out? Um, maybe to a lesser extent. I think okay. that you know, I think it's all just about like this is a player that uh, the Eagles have certainly valued very highly in the past, but I think it's kind of just coming to a head where the player isn't happy here and the organization is realizing that he is a player in decline and something to consider about Fletcher Cox is like, he's just played so many snaps. Like I, I've talked about this before and I really stress this, like Brandon Graham entered the league uh, two years before Fletcher Cox. He's two years older than Fletcher Cox, but he's played like over a thousand fewer snaps uh, than Fletcher Cox throughout his career. Like the Eagles have really leaned uh, on Fletcher Cox in a big way. And I think that's taking a toll. And I think that's why he isn't the same player anymore. Like it's not necessarily uh, his fault as much as it's so much wear and tear on his body. And I think to be clear, I still think he's a good player, but I just don't think he's, you know, the elite dominant special player that you're paying him to be. Right. A lot of, a lot of miles on that body, unfortunately. Um, so any Andre Dillard was another name that was out there and then really didn't seem to get a lot of traction uh, at by trade deadline. How close did any deal come for Andre Dillard? Yeah, it seems like the Eagles didn't really want to move on from him unless they got like a kind of no-brainer kind of offer. Right. Um, but it's a weird situation because like you can people can look at it and they'd be like, oh, well, we should keep Andre Dillard because he's good depth right now. But like, okay, but you have to look down the road and realize that I'm pretty sure Lane Johnson, like his contract, you're probably realistically not going to move on from him, and he still might be playing well at this point in 2024. And then you just signed Jordan Mylata to a contract extension. So he's going to be here for quite a few more years. Meanwhile, Andre Dillard is going to be a free agent after 2022, unless the Eagles pick up his fifth year option for 2023. But if you're doing that, like that's a starter salary and it's guaranteed. It's fully, it's not like the old fifth year option where it didn't become guaranteed into the new league year. Now, once you pick it up, it's fully guaranteed. So like, I don't really think this is a move made with the best foresight because I think, yes. Okay. It's nice to have offensive line depth now and, you know, 
Andre Diller only plays left tackle, so not even a true swing tackle. Um, but like down the road, I, I just don't know what his presence here means or how it benefits the team in the long run. Uh, I'm I'm with you there. I agree on all points so far. Uh, so we'll, we'll call that bat in a thousand. Um, Brandon, when it comes to uh, who they did get in return for a six round pick, Kerry Vincent uh, comes over here. What do you know about him? What will what will he bring to the table if anything? A corner. Well, the Eagles made me look like a fool. Uh, and, you know, the, the deadline, trade the time passes, 4 p.m. passes. I'm like, all right, then trade for anyone. They didn't trade anyone away. And sure enough, 16 minutes later, uh, this Kerry Vincent Jr. announcement comes out. And I'm like, oh, come on, Eagles. Um, so <laughs> it's another cornerback, another one from the Broncos, interestingly, because they formerly, uh, you know, added Mac McCain, who hasn't, like, really played for them yet. But he was from the Broncos, too. So maybe something they like about those Broncos corners. Um, it just seems like, you know, there, it's a situation where Darius Slay is here. He's playing well, but he's getting older. Steven Nelson is on a one-year deal. Avante Maddox is going to be a free agent as it stands right now after this season. So it seems like they're kind of adding these young corners. Uh, you know, they added Tay Gallen, obviously, in, in the Earth trade, that Mac McCain, who I mentioned. Now they have a new guy here. So it looks like they're kind of just trying to hopefully hit on one of these young guys, and maybe they can be a good backup or a starter even for them. I know the Eagles were always keeping tabs on the situation, but it seemed like it was going to be Miami or bust for Deshaun Watson. Is this dead and buried now, or is this something that we're just going to have to go into in the offseason as well? I mean, the Eagles wanted him, right? Like that's they, the Eagles didn't trade, didn't not trade for Deshaun Watson because, like, nah, we're good. No, like they wanted him, and by all indications, he didn't want them, which is you know relevant when he's a player with a no trade clause and has to approve where he goes. So from that standpoint, you know, I kind of feel like it's dead and buried because if he doesn't want to come here, then it's not going to happen. But I, my thing about that is always like. What if the market dries up elsewhere? What if there are no landing spots for Deshaun Watson? I'm pretty sure he would want to come to the Eagles, then return to the Texans. So I think it kind of comes down to that. Understood. Uh, I hate to do this to you, but I I think I'm legally obligated to ask you this question. All right. Deshaun Jackson has been released (laughs) by the Rams. He's coming back to Philadelphia. What's going on there? (laughs) Deshaun Jackson, I believe, played in 10% uh, (laughs) in his jersey number, 10% of the snaps that he possibly could have when he returned to the Eagles in March 2019. So uh, I think not. I think you're not really learning anything. And uh, it's kind of a weird situation, right? Because, like, Deshaun Jackson's playing for a good team. It's not like he's, like, mad they're not winning or something. He's mad because he's not getting stats. And it's like – you really want that player on your team right now, uh, especially I'm, I'm as you're good. trying to, yeah, build a, a culture, you know, under a new staff. I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Good. On the same page, there. Still bad a thousand. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to that game plan, that game plan I saw, albeit against the Lions, I understand. But there are things in that, like I don't know, makeup and that game plan in that scheme that I would love to see applied to the San Diego. Geez, I knew I was going to do it to the yep. LA Chargers. Uh, do, do you think we see any of that again? Uh, maybe not 46 runs, but do you think we'll see any bit of a, of a balanced attack this weekend? I think we will to some extent, because as we all know, you know, the Chargers are vulnerable to against the run. Now, with that said, I think some of that is like this kind of new, you know, NFL philosophy, especially from like a young defensive coordinator uh, or former defensive coordinator, defensive mind and Brandon Staley is like, Guys want to invite the run, and especially against teams that have really good quarterbacks because you'd rather, you know, you live with the other team and the ball off to the lesser running back than you are trying to get, you know, roasted, uh, your, your past defense roasted by the good quarterback. So I kind of think that the Chargers will not maybe do that conventional thing and not invite the run as much because that's obviously a way the Eagles can succeed as much as they should be, at least trying to put the game on Jalen Hurts' arm and kind of making him outgun Justin Herbert, which sounds, you know, not like the, the most likely possible thing. Uh, so I think that's what it comes down to. 
Okay. What did you make of the whole Brandon Staley uh, idea, the whole story that was there about him not interviewing with the Eagles because of Howie Roseman? I mean, I think in fairness, you know, he's staying in L.A., you know, because he's with the Rams. He doesn't have to really move anywhere. Uh, he gets Justin Herbert. That's a no-brainer. So there were some things there that, you know, I don't think it was like just Howie Roseman's presence. But that that is like a factor at all is obviously not great. And it's also come up before. It happened with Chip Kelly. That was a big reason why Chip Kelly originally turned down the Eagles. And then it was like, okay, the Eagles aren't getting Chip. Well, now what? And it looks like they're about to hire Gus Bradley. And all of a sudden, at the last second, you know, Chip Kelly's back on the picture. And probably because he ended up the Eagles conceded more power to him than they originally wanted to. So, you know, that's been a theme throughout uh, the Howard Roseman era. And back in 2016, even it's like, okay, are they going to get a top guy? No, they're going to get Doug Peterson who no, no one else even really wanted. And Hey, it worked out for him. But uh, yeah, that's always been an issue here. Well, you, you really are a brilliant guy because somehow magically you just provided me with two perfect setups to my, <laughs> to one of my questions I was going to ask. So I really had a crossroads here, but this is the way I'll go with this one. Nick Sirianni. Where are you at right now with judging him in his first year as the Eagles head coach? Where are you at with Nick Sirianni? I mean, I think on the whole, obviously, there's been more negative than positive. I mean, the Eagles have a losing record, so that's easy to say. It's the low-hanging fruit. Um, I've kind of been on the middle on him this whole time. I haven't been, like, super, you know, gung-ho. Oh, yeah, Nick Sirianni, he's the guy. Or, like, oh, this guy is totally in over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's definitely going to be one and done. I was leaning more that way recently, the one and done kind of way. But, obviously, I think the win over the Lions is a good thing. Uh, Mark, the Eagles are kind of at an interesting point here in where, in Nick Sirianni's mind, like, he has to do everything he can to maximize the Eagles this year and try to get them as good as he can be. But, you know, what that – in that best interest, that's not necessarily what's in the best interest of the team long term. And what I mean by that is like, yeah, like they can keep trying to run the ball and everything, and that might be their best bet to win each week. But like, I don't know if that's really going to be the offense of their future. And I think, you know, you kind of have to see what you have in Jalen Hurts and some of these receivers and try to build, you know, a passing attack for years to come. And you're not going to do that, I think, by having this, you know, full out run identity. So it's kind of a, a weird spot that he finds himself in. Uh, the other question I was going to ask you had to do with that front office had to do with Howie Roseman and the power that he has. And although I think it would take, you know, the biggest you know, catastrophe you, you could imagine football wise for Howie Roseman to be let go and for Nick Sirianni to be let go and for Jeffrey Lurie to say, all right, I'm just hitting the reset button in, in total here. Um, but I can't think of a better time to hit the reset button on the franchise than when you have three first round picks. And I could think that you know, some GMs would love to come here into that situation. Is there any chance in your mind, or what would it take in your mind for Jeffrey Lurie to look at this season and say, Nick ain't it, Howie, it's been real, thanks, but no thanks. We're starting over with three first-round picks, and I'm giving those to somebody else to make those selections. What are the odds, or what would it take to get to that point? I mean, I, I honestly don't even know if there is a scenario where it gets to that point. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's literally losing out from this point on, like not winning, winning a single game more and getting blown out, or most weeks, I think it would have to be something like that. Um, I think we've seen... Jeffrey Lurie has a lot of trust in Howie Roseman. And I think the fact that he got those picks is like, you know, well, now I have to let him see them through. Now, I don't agree with that. I'm saying I think he thinks that. Understood. Uh, so I think I think that's where it is. All right. Um, uh, now, what do you I mean, we're hearing the rumblings in Indianapolis right now that some media members are already clamoring for Carson Wentz to get benched. And if you saw him play against the Titans, especially in the last 90 seconds of regulation and then saw his interception in triple coverage in overtime. <laughs> You can see why they're making that argument because they also want to hold on to that first round pick. Do you think that could actually happen in Indy or will Frank Reich stick with Carson Wentz? 
I think if the Colts are done with Carson Wentz, then yes, but I don't think they are. Like, I think if, if you bench him, it's not a situation where he's going to like be understanding and be on board with that. I am very <laughs> confident in that yeah. knowing Carson Wentz. So like, like once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you know, it's out, like you can't put it back in. So uh, I think that's the situation. I think the Eagles are going to get this first round pick because it's currently on pace where his snaps are at, like where he's going to hit that 75% threshold in week 13, which is, you know, isn't super far away. And they get the Jags uh, or the Jets, sorry, this week on Thursday night football. And then they get the Jags. So they could conceivably win both of those games. They're five and five. And they're in in theory in the mix in that kind of wide open AFC playoff picture there, especially for those wild card spots. So I don't think they're in any position in the very near future to sit him down and ride with like, you know what, like Sam Ellinger, uh, a late day three pick. I don't, I don't think they're going to like pull the plug on him this early. So I think the Eagles are going to get that first round pick barring some kind of injury from him. I would still love to see them trade for Nick Foles and just watch the fireworks. I just would love to watch that from afar. Um, Speaking of quarterbacks, our quarterback here in Philadelphia is a guy named Jalen Hurts. Had the least amount of work on his shoulders, least workload on his shoulders uh, going up against uh, this this game against the Lions there. Uh, I thought that benefited him greatly to kind of take a backseat to the run for at least a game. Again, I don't think that happens against the Chargers, but he seemed to play fairly well as that game went on. I think he made some great plays, you know, with his legs, obviously the third and 12 and getting breaking out for a 21 yard run on that. And he he made some big plays in that regard. And obviously he didn't make any kind of big mistakes that would cost them the game. Um, But I can't say he really like did a ton to improve his stock in a big way in terms of proving himself as the franchise quarterback. I think one way to look at the Eagles offensive performance on Sunday is they had their best showing this year and in a long time when their quarterback was less involved than ever. And I don't know that's really that the best, the best signal for the team right. moving forward. And obviously not a sustainable thing week in, week out. You're not going to win games with Jalen Hurts only throwing 14 passes. So, um, you know, it worked against the Lions, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him and these spots moving forward to, you know, uh, to come up bigger. And honestly, like you look at the quarterbacks he's beaten throughout his career, you know, it's Jared Goff, it's Sam Darnold, it's Matt Ryan, it's Taysom Hill. Like, you know, these aren't, the, you know, exactly the, the alien list quarterbacks he, he eventually you're going to need to see him go up against one of these big guys and i know it's not like the quarterback plays the quarterback but still you're going to have to outgun that guy on the other side and we haven't seen him do that against a really good quarterback yet certainly um i, I know you're a man for all season so i always like to work in a little basketball with you here ben simmons ever played for the sixers again or is that is that done no. I mean, we saw the latest report out there today mm-hmm. that he will talk to team doctors which he's not obligated to but it, it would just be nice because it's, sure. it's their employer um but does he ever play for the sixers again no, never. never. He's done. It's done. He doesn't want to be here. Uh, the team is acting like they want him here. And in reality, I think we all know they'd love to be able to trade him, but it's just, you know, not materializing right now. So it's just going to continue to be this weird, messy situation. And honestly, Mark, I can't wait till it's over. I can't, I can't watch the Sixers and enjoy them until he, he is just gone. I'm right there with you as far as that goes. And I'm going to tell you just my, here's my theory. The Sixers have a six game road trip coming up in a little over uh, a week and a half. If you're ever going to play Ben Simmons, those are the games to do it. <laughs> Not at home, on the road. He can, he'd talk to only a select few people in the media as he has a little press conference out there, and then he moves on, and then they trade him six games later, and he never plays in Philadelphia again. That's my little conspiracy theory right there. Um, hey, Brandon Lee Gowton, you, you, you lucky dog. You also get to talk to Jimmy Kemsky every once in a while. You guys got a great podcast going there, don't you? Yeah, it's not it's not bad. You know, Bleeding Green Nation uh, podcast feed, a lot of good shows on there, BGN Radio. Uh, we, we, I just did a podcast today with uh, a Cowboys fan, reluctantly. Uh, we talk about the NFC East every week. So we have that going. Yeah, a lot of different stuff going on. 
Uh, you're the man. Brandon Lee Gowden, Bleeding Green Nation. Always great catching up with you, man. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Farzee Show on the Rothman Orthopedics Guest Line. Here's the random fact. I don't know if I've ever told you about uh, Brandon Lee Gowden and I. Uh, we once had our picture taken in succession uh, with uh, Robert Covington. So there you go. There you go. Just a fun fact. All right. Uh, thanks to Brandon Lee Gowden for joining us there on the uh, Rothman Orthopedics guest line. Uh, so he's in the same school, I think, as a lot of people are right now, which is, yeah, you'll see some stuff that you saw against the Lions in terms of a little bit of a healthier run-to-pass ratio, I guess. You'll see that against the, uh, the L.A. Chargers. But what you uh, won't see, most likely, uh, is the Eagles winning. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll cover that as we get closer to that game on a fine football Friday coming up this week. So I look forward to that. But thanks to Brandon Lee Gowden for joining us uh, on the Rothman Orthopedics Guest Line. And speaking of the Rothman Orthopedics Guest Line, how about those great people at Rothman Orthopedics? Remember the old you? The one who didn't have to uh, put up with a fickle knee, a finicky hip, or a shoulder that no longer did what a shoulder should do? Well, the Rothman Approach to Orthopedics is here to get you back to being you. Back to running, walking, working, and playing. Back to living your life the way you want. With same-day appointments available, you can start today at RothmanOrtho.com. That's RothmanOrtho.com. Rothman Orthopedics, the official orthopedic partner with your Phillies, Eagles, and Sixers. How about BetQL? Ooh, I need to hit this uh, BetQL a little bit better. As I told you, uh, I picked the Chiefs. I don't know why I picked the Chiefs to cover because they've been pretty bad all year. I just thought the Giants wouldn't play that well. Uh, they still were pretty terrible, but the Chiefs were even uh, – they, they were worse, but still won. They played worse considering what their bar is. The Giants still played over their head, but they still lost. But I needed, I needed to consult BetQL a little bit better. BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets throughout your seasons. You get the edge over your sports book. Their best bets computer model scans over 350,000 unique bets per year. They give you the best bets recommendation for every game across all major sports. And they give you the reasoning behind why you should place the bet. Their model covers everything from point spreads, over-unders, player props as well. If you don't want to use the model and prefer to do your own research, BetQL has all the necessary tools for your betting research needs. Everything from sharp data, line movement, team summaries, lineups, and injuries, as well as breaking news. They even have a leaderboard for you to track your own success with BetQL. They have everything there that you need. Head to the App Store or Google Play Store now and download the BetQL app. Oh, got to tell you about Steak and Made, SteakandMade.com. For more info in the heart of Northeast Maryland, this restaurant, this bar, this sushi bar, this amazing place, you got to try it if you haven't tried it already. Whether you like to dine in a uh, casual patio or sports bar, their upscale steakhouse, whatever it might be, or like I said, their casual bar. Steak and Made has it all. You know what they really got? The best steaks in America, voted by the Travel Channel and Cooking Channel. Best steaks in America. Do what I do. Two-pound tomahawk steak, fine Pinot Noir from Cavada Cellars Wines. Perfect. That's a perfect dinner right there, ladies and gentlemen. Open every day for lunch, dinner, and Sunday brunch. Steak and Main, steakandmain.com for more information. Uh, how about our friends over there at WinView? Have some fun with the WinView app. So I was some of you guys chatting about it yesterday, challenging each other. That's great. WinView, the only game where fans can take on other fans and end the debate once and for all. Who's the biggest sports fan and who knows more? If you have some friends or family that think they know everything, play them in a WinView challenge. See if they can walk the walk as well as they talk the talk. You want to break up the monotony of family dinners and get-togethers? Holidays around the corner. You don't want to be talking politics. You want to be talking sports. 
Uh, even though some people treat sports like politics, they take it a little too personal. Anyway, play a quarter of Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football on Thanksgiving, maybe. Maybe do that. And have yourself a great WinView contest. Win yourself some money. It's the perfect way to add an extra layer of competition to your fantasy football league as well. Whether you're tracking the games on Sunday uh, or really throughout any of the seasons here, uh, make sure you're taking advantage of all the WinView contests. It's not a sports book. It's not Daily Fantasy. It's a social gaming app where you can win real money prizes for making predictions on the games that you love. I uh, also want to tell you about PHL Sports Station, Philadelphia Sports Station, enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Now it's time for our social media check-in, brought to you by Steak and Maine at SteakandMaine.com. Let's see what we got going on here. Good morning, Dak. Nice to see you. Dan, good morning, everybody. Nice dub for the Flyers. No trades for the Birds. They made one trade. Simmons doing Simmons things. April, good morning. Mally, good morning. Kevin, good morning. April, hello again. Oh, can we not talk about baseball? I, I Again, I don't look at the Braves anymore, and I don't look at them and go, ah, damn you, Braves. I look at the Braves now, and I go, ah. I look at them. The Atlanta Braves just doing great things. And then I look at the standings on uh, August 9th, I want to say it was. And August 9th, Phillies two games up on them. Since that day, Braves had, I think, the fifth best record in baseball from April 9th on. Max Fried, one of the best pitchers in baseball from that point on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was that was fun when there were two games up on him. That was, that was a good time. That was a good time. And then what? Uh, early September, they were, what, a game behind? Is that how it worked? And then, then they, they sucked at baseball. So that was fun. Uh I just saw a list put out there by Sports Track of all the people that are very, free agents from the uh, from the Braves. Sign them all. You know, for the people, I told you that Seinfeld was back on Netflix or on Netflix. You know what's on Netflix now? The Professional, Leon, The Professional. You know that movie? The very young uh, with the, the, the Natalie Portman uh, and the French guy. Sorry, I don't know his name. Uh, and Gary Oldman. Uh, Reno, 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 Reno. Anyway, that's the actor. Uh, and then Gary Oldman as well, who plays the, like, drugged-out uh, police chief or whatever the hell he was, detective. Um, yeah, I've seen the movie. But uh, there's a great scene in that movie where they're going to kill the professional, and one of the, the minions says to Gary Oldman, uh, what do you want me to do, boss? And Gary Oldman turns around and screams, everyone. And to this day, it's, like, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in any movie ever. And my brother and I reference it a lot. Uh, reference a lot. But it's like, hey, who do you want the Phillies to sign from the Braves? Everyone! It's a great gif, too. Gary Oldman screaming everyone. So that's that's my intention. Signing everyone from the Braves. Even though I just told you, like, hey, it's not about the acquisitions, the free agents acquisitions. It's about, you know, gr growing as a team. Screw that. Sign everybody from the Braves. They grew up as a team. Fine. That's what you do. Uh, that's my advice going forward. So, yeah, I, I look at the Braves longingly, not angrily anymore. Dan saying uh, when he went through his own mental health issues, he had to go through uh, basically work and keep them updated and wasn't paid throughout. I know a lot of people will relate to that, um, Dan, that, that have gone through something similar. The crazy thing, I don't want to use that word crazy, the, 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 the unfortunate thing in this situation is that the uh, CBA and the NBA, they, they don't have that. These these are the these are the rules they've ironed out. So yeah, I know some people are looking at this saying, "Oh, Ben Simmons definitely found a loophole just to get paid," and we don't know. We haven't heard from Ben. I look forward to hearing from Ben. Uh, but that's the way it was negotiated between the CBA and, or excuse me, between the uh, NBA PA 
and the uh, the NBA itself, the owners and the players. So that's how that's how they worked it out. Maybe the next time around, they have to have mandatory updates. Keep the employer up to speed. Uh, frustrating as hell uh, as far as baseball. April, you are shocked. They are shopping the player who has had the most to say. <laughs> you know, they don't like players who speak their mind. No, you're April. That's a great point. Uh, I'm shocked at the money because you're already under the cap hit of 53 and a half million from Carson Wentz. So what is it? Another like 23 million with Fletcher Cox, I think. So that's, that's where it doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's Howie Roseman. Uh, what uh, this doesn't make any sense, brick, uh, Taylor. Good morning. Uh, Cecil. Good morning, Cecil. I like a Cecil. Uh, I don't understand why Simmons can't separate himself from the team and they get some type of salary cap relief while he addresses whatever issue it is. That's not a bad, no, that's actually not a bad idea. Maybe that's the happy media that they later address in the CBA. Uh, it doesn't matter who they trade for a draft. Howie is still here. He will always be one. <laughs> He'll always be one hemorrhoid that won't go away. Howie the hemorrhoid. That sounds like a great, um, mascot for some new cream anyway <laughs> anyway uh don't uh, there we go dan they, they were in april what's happening uh thomas sup beautiful people and dan oh tommy come on uh phillies haven't ha haven't had a farm system in almost two decades when 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 bryce harper comes out it was just like yeah we need a farm system you better get yourself a farm system now Phillies did uh, are getting a or they did get a new uh, farm uh, director of the farm system, so that's good. Hopefully that works out. Uh, Fly guys, nice win, Peter. You are correct, Dan. Hoping to bring one of uh, one of the pigs up to play third base. Dak BS uh, Ben Simmons is gaming. Ben Simmons is gaming the system so he doesn't have to get fined. Scamming the system. Uh. Peter, I think as time goes on, you're more and more right here. I'd rather. Oh, Peter, uh, we'll never hear from Ben till he's gone from Philly. That I agree. Mark, I know you started an internship program. You think you could give Ben a chance? Oh, that's not a bad idea. Uh, I'd rather hear about roots and flowers than listen to Mr. Softy talk. Uh, you better. You are better off bringing your own. No need to go to Steven Singer. Tell your fiance you're ready for marriage, but not mentally ready. Uh, I see what you're doing there, Daniel. April, Mike. I say BLG just turned 30. He seems like he's 36 and been 36 for 10 years. And I will always be 36. Hard to explain, but that's where I'm at. There you go. Yeah, um, BLG has one of those like young faces all the time. Can't unsee that. Dan's checking in April. <laughs> I think Mally, my takeaway is going to be Howie the hemorrhoid. I think that's where I'm going to go with Howie the hemorrhoid for the foreseeable future. Uh, anybody seen Howie and Sealski in the same room? No, they're the same spawn of Satan. Very nice, Dan. Uh, <laughs> pull off Sealski's mask. Definitely Howie underneath. Ronald. Uh, Ronald. Oh, come on. Oh, I think Farzi said the old you, but it sounded dangerously close to the old something else 
<laughs> I definitely said the old you. There was no J sound in there. Uh, laugh my loud, Mally. You make a great observation. Got me thinking. <laughs> uh, Ronald, welcome to the chat. Uh, Ray, Philly should sign the Braves general manager. He knows what he's doing. Um, he knows what he's doing that be the biggest free agent. That would be the biggest free agent. Yes, signing him. Uh, Greek guy, Anthonopoulos. I'm blanking on his name, but he was, I think he was the the Blue Jays GM that traded Roy Halladay to the Phillies, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the same guy. Um, so yeah, the, the Greek fella. There we go. Anthony? Is it Anthony? Anthony Anthonopoulos? I don't know. I got another. Um, ben going for... <laughs> there you go uh we will hear from ben at the press conference on his new team most likely most likely unfortunately thanks to everyone that checked in on our social media check-in brought to you by steak and man and steakandman.com i thought i had the picture here in front of me i don't let's move into our morning rush brought to you by sky motorcars and skymotorcars.com sky motorcars hooked us up with a great interview with steven nelson last week we really appreciated that uh steven was great uh i don't disagree with i, I don't agree with the genius comment about jonathan gannon but still nonetheless i thought Steven Nelson was very honest, very open. I thought that was great. Uh, the Sixers' new uniforms, the retro spectrum uniforms, which Mark Zumoff did the intro piece for. If you haven't seen it, just check the Sixers' social media. Check Zumoff's social media. Uh, it's fantastic. The only thing I would have done different, I'll say this, is I would have put Zumoff in a toupee in like an old Mark Zumoff prism era. Now, not that he ever wore a toupee when he was still fighting the good fight like I was for all those years with when I had hair left, uh, but put him in a little toupee. That's all. That's the only thing I would have done different. But I hated and still hate the Boathouse Row Sixers jersey. I hated them. I'm on the complete other end of the spectrum. No pun intended. When it comes to the Sixers retro spectrum era America's show place jerseys. If you haven't seen them yet, I thought I had my picture right here. It's not, not, it's not up. Anyway. If you haven't seen the jerseys yet, they are straight fire, as the kids like to say. I love them. The Sixers, and I'm fully prepared to make this statement. I've thought about it, kicked it around a lot, and I feel no guilt or shame in saying this. They are my favorite Philadelphia alternate jersey, if you will, since the Eagles rolled out the Kelly Green in the Kevin Cobb to Michael Vick game against the Green Bay Packers in that season opener. I'm not afraid to say that. I will shout it from the rooftops. I will shout it from the art museum steps. I will shout it from the, the highest mountaintop. These retro Sixers jerseys, Spectrum era, America's Showplace jerseys are my favorite alternate jersey since the Kelly Green came back. Now, the unfortunate thing is that the Kelly Green wasn't officially an alternate jersey. It was a one-day honoring the past type of thing, one and done. These Spectrum jerseys are actually alternate jerseys that you'll see a couple of different times throughout the year. Love them, keep them, use them often, 76ers. And Eagles, Jeffrey Laurie, although I, I, I don't think we'll ever see the Kelly Green again, like maybe one game again down the line, but I just don't think he ever wants to turn into Kelly Green. And I know he has blamed the league and the rules and this and that and the other. I will tell you this when it comes to the Kelly Green, and I tell everybody this when it comes to the Kelly Green. I was at a uh, a corporate event, and Howie Roseman and Don Smolinski 
were at this corporate event. They were the, the, the subjects of a Q&A with the audience, and a, they had a host speaker. It was nice. Um, but one of the things they got into was the Kelly Green. Well, first off, they talked about Michael Vick and signing Michael Vick. And this was many years removed from signing Michael Vick. Many, like five years, maybe. And I remember them getting asked about Michael Vick. And the way they answered the question, there was so there was, there was a lot of assurance. There was a lot of confidence in what they had to say. There was a lot of proclamation, you know. And, and they were very sure of themselves. Then they got asked about Kelly Green. And it was like they were walking on eggshells. For whatever reason, Jeffrey Lurie hates Kelly Green. Many people have told me that. Uh, Jason Avant is on record making that statement as well, that the Lorries just hate Kelly Green. The, the speculation there is that it was before the Lorries owned the team. So that, uh, they never existed before the Lorries owned the team. Fine. Uh, but I, uh, I love, 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 love the new Sixers jerseys. And it gives me the same feel as it did with the Kelly Green. So bring it back. Bring them both back. Keep them around for a while. That's all I got to say. Uh, that's where you'll go uh, as far as that is concerned. Uh, Sixers are uh, still unsure how long they're going to be without Tobias Harris due to health and safety protocols. So we'll see how that goes. Joel Embiid is supposed to be back on the, on the hardwood uh, in the not-too-distant future. So that was just a game of rest, as we know, uh, from their game against the Portland Trailblazers the other night. And a nice win uh, as well. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, make sure we give you more of an update uh, when we hear from uh, Nick Sirianni as he's supposed to address the media again today. Look forward to hearing from him. And all that he has to say is that uh, that press conference goes on today. Also, maybe we'll get a little bit more uh, clarification from the Eagles as to what went down at the trade deadline. Uh, and also we'll see if they comment on the Fletcher Cox situation as well. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, everybody. My name is Mark Farzetta here from the Steven Singer Studios. For Jim Hyden, who produced the program, this is a Buzz Sports and Entertainment production. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.